Welcome to Beneath the Wing. Just like air passing over the wing of an aircraft provides lift, the people we meet can also give us lift in life by sharing their stories of strength and success, connecting us all. Beneath the Wing explores the stories of those connected with the Minnesota Air National Guard's 133rd Airlift Wing with a little humor and learning along the way. I'm your host, Wing Command Chief Mark Legfold. I'm joined today with the 133rd Airlift Wing's Outstanding Non-Commissioned Officer of the Year, Tech Sergeant Morgan Johnson. Morgan's a part of our Wing's Emergency Management Department in our Civil Engineer Squadron, a graduate of the University of Wisconsin-La Crosse. Did I say that with enough accent? Sure did. All that right. was perfect. And worked for the Department of Veterans Affairs as a recreational therapist. She's also a semi-professional race car driver. Welcome to the podcast, Morgan. <laughs> of course, that one got brought in here. Of course. Well, I talked to your dad you. yesterday, by the way. <laughs> I'm honored to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you. So uh, you've been a part of the Air Force and the Minnesota Air National Guard since 2016. Yes. How did you get here? What led you to the military? Oh, man. So I come from a military background. Um, I'm fifth generation military. Everybody had been Air Force. Wow. Or I'm sorry, everybody had been Army. Um, you were the first one to make the right decision? Uh, yes. I'd like to say yes. that. So I tried ROTC for the Army in college. Um, I just did a, I think I did a semester of it just to see if it was something I was even interested in. Um, didn't really feel like it was the right fit, but that desire never went away. So about a year after, um, kind of got mustered up and I was like, Hey, this is something I really want to do. And talked to a bunch of recruiters between Minnesota and Wisconsin and figured out that, um, I fell in love with my shop. The people that were in our shop were so welcoming and that's what really sold me. I just love the community and the family aspect of it. It is a, a good community. Yeah. Can you circle back a little bit? Cause you were doing army ROTC at lacrosse. La I uh, did it actually in Eau Claire. So I did two okay. years at University of Wisconsin Eau Claire. All right. Um, and all they had was Army for okay. ROTC. So, so you got start. a lot of Army kind of indoctrination there. I did. Why did you go blue? Why did you choose the Air Force? Um, I really liked what emergency management stood for and the opportunity to get to serve in the community um, and just the experiences that the flight had talked about was something that I didn't see directly in the Army. Because the Army's got Seaburn, but it's a little bit different than emergency management, or EM as we call it. Okay, what's Seaburn, by the way? Chemical, biological, radiological, and nuclear. So that brings us to the big, big question here. And you talked about being in emergency management mm -hmm. and why you like it. And you're right, the people in there are fantastic. But what's the mission? What does an emergency manager do? Do they have emergency managers in the civilian side, or is this just a military thing? Um, yeah, it is on the civilian side as well. So um, the big one is FEMA. So that's a federal emergency management. And they do a lot of natural disaster responses. Um, but the thing that makes the military EM different is um, responding and how our mission changes when we're deployed. Um, so DOMOPS or domestic operations is a little bit different when we are stateside. Mm -hmm. um, we also have the CSC, so the civil support team here that does a lot of responses out in the community. Um, but I liked just the opportunity to help with um, different events that might happen in the state. Okay. Um, may it be natural disaster cleanup and things like that as well. So especially as a part of the National Guard, 
Yep. Um, we work for the state. Oh, absolutely. When the state needs us. So emergency manager is a big part of that type of operation, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned that emergency managers also deploy with the military. Um, and I know that you most recently deployed. Can you tell us what the difference is between an emergency manager on the civilian side and then a deployed emergency manager with the military? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when in both locations, we do a lot of training for the base. So we will do um, our Seaburn Defense course, which is getting everybody spun up on all of um, all things Seaburn. So making sure that they're trained, know how to respond, um, how to wear their chemical ensemble, what their procedures are should we um, come in contact with anything. In a deployed setting, it's the threat base, I think, is a lot larger. So um, we have to be, we go through like intel briefings and things like that when we are deployed. Um, and there's less of that like state natural response, I guess. Okay. So just in case there's somebody that's like an enemy in the local area and they got something bad that they throw at us, right? Mm -hmm. We get our airmen ready to respond to that. Yes, That's correct. your job. It is. And even in the deployed environment, um, that becomes really, really important because sometimes we just don't know what's out there. Correct. Yeah. Um, I think the threat is a lot greater when you're in a deployed environment um, just with larger scale attacks um, and just the focus of the war mission being a lot greater. Sure, sure. A big part of emergency management, and I learned this through my years, but you've learned this specifically, is developing relationships and partnerships. Oh, absolutely. Um, and even in a, as a deployed person, you weren't just stuck on the base. Uh, you got, first off, tell us where you <laughs> deployed to, and um, then tell us about the partnerships that you were able to develop, develop there. Yeah, absolutely. So my first half of my deployment, I was sent to El Jabber in Kuwait. Um, and we got sent there as a base to close it down. So we were supposed to only be there for a couple of weeks. Um, and so the base was small. I mean, most people had left at this point, but we got told, hey, um, we're starting the Afghanistan evacuation. So our role was spun really quickly to, hey, everything's pretty low key. We're just going to be closing it down to we got a bunch of Marines overnight. So that was a huge change, and our job was figuring out what missions were happening in Afghanistan and just figuring the whole compartment of um, all the evacuees and trying to find out what kind of resources we could send where. So the base went from calm to hectic mm -hmm. overnight, and that was a, a role that I hadn't really gotten to fill before just because that kind of thing doesn't happen here so it was big shoes to fill very quickly um we were all thrust into roles that were much larger than we were used to but it was an amazing just experience and training experience for all of us what did that teach you about change and how to how to adapt to things oh man flexibility is so so important i could scream that from the rooftops did you we... consider yourself a flexible person before you went on this deployment I would love to think so. Like, I feel like I try to embrace whatever is happening in the moment, and that can be tough. It can be very difficult. There, that was a total new sense of the word that I've never experienced in my life. We would have a plan and, you know, hey, 
this aircraft is coming in and then a minute later it's not happening and then we get a call hey we've got a plane coming in they're five miles out you know so that was okay we got to get everything figured out right now and people have to be on the move mm -hmm. so it was a pretty chaotic hectic couple of weeks but we figured out what processes worked and what didn't work and I think that was really important even just to bring back here because I deployed I was the only one out of my shop you here. deployed by yourself Yes, yep, the rest of CE went to Africa. So I was in Kuwait by myself with a phenomenal group of people. Um, I couldn't do it without them. That's a very bold and courageous thing for a uh, young staff sergeant at the time. <laughs> oh, I was very young, very new to the role. Yep, yep, well, yeah. good for you. Thank you. Uh, that like I said, that takes a lot of bravery and yeah. courage to do that. Mm -hmm. um, you developed some other partnerships while you were deployed too, not I just on base. Did can you tell us about your experience with uh, football? Mm. I'm, I'm saying football, the right <laughs> for the right sport, football. Yes. So after we closed Al Jabber, we ended up for deploying to Al Udeid in Qatar. Um, this we went, like I said, we went from a base that had like 300 people to 9,000. This base was huge, and we got selected to for deploy to be part of a response team for um, the Arab Cup initially that would be happening um, while we were there. So all of the protocols and things that we got set up were then used for the World Cup, which was amazing. So we got to work with um, our EOD, security forces, host nation. We had the Army Seaburn Group, which ironically was from Red Wing here oh, nice. in Minnesota. Um, so that was fantastic. Me being the only one from Minnesota in our Seabring group to have those ties back home was really so nice. Say words with long O's in the middle of them. Oh, they understood entirely. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, betcha. But that was, it, it was really neat because we don't have EOD or fire here. So getting to make those partnerships as well as between, <laughs> between the different branches um, and working with Host Nation was amazing. Just seeing how they operate is entirely different so the host nation again you were in qatar right i was and so you're you're dealing with emergency management specialists that are civilian in that country mm -hmm. language barrier um yes yeah i think that was the hardest part was words that we know are defined this way could be explained totally different sure um so yeah language barrier was tough um thankfully we had a lot of fantastic people who knew how to bridge that gap so that we were all on the same page. Cultural norms? Yeah, that how, was different. How do you plan a big sporting event, big soccer event, and were there cultural things that you also had to bridge the gap on or help, help yeah, work through? Yeah, definitely. And I think just being a woman in that role was challenging just because the social norm of a female is very different out there. Um, they would always like look to the man in the room for advice like you could say something and then they look to the guy to kind of confirm it um, so that was something I you don't experience here but you kind of just learn how to move forward with that what was the what was your feeling the first time that that happened to you that as a as a man in the room I, I don't get that <laughs> right um, but what was what was your feeling going through that um, I think it's hard just feeling minimized that I could have the same knowledge or more than somebody else, but 
just because I was a girl that invalidated what I had to say. Mm. Um, you you kind of get that often over there just because, again, it's a total cultural difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was incredibly lucky to have a group of guys in my shop that were incredibly supportive and they handled the situation so perfectly. So, um, yeah, I got really lucky. I'm always amazed at the fact that we take people that are in their 20s and we put them in these circumstances Mm -hmm. and team-wise, we handle it so well. Not perfectly all the time, but we have people that handle it really, really well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's encouraging to hear. Uh, so you, you're coming up on 10 years of military service coming up on it close yeah yeah just re-enlisted for four what's the most interesting thing you've done oh. um goodness I think so I've got two um being deployed my favorite thing was creating the staging areas for all of the stadiums for the world cup so in the Arab cup how many stadiums Oh, now you're testing me here. Um, Man, fact-checking me. I don't recall. I think we went to nine. Wow. That's a lot of sites. Yeah, and they – so the Arab Cup was a smaller scale, but they increased it because there were still a couple stadiums that were under construction Mm -hmm. for the World Cup, which happened this last fall. Yeah. A lot of travel off base. It was. Yeah. yeah, that was that was totally different. That was a culture shock for sure because I had never left the country before. So what did you have to do to stage? Um, a lot of it was figuring out like primary routes and secondary routes to figure out the fastest way. Like it's factoring in a lot of different things. So mm-hmm. if there's traffic, if this is happening, if this area is blockaded, how do we get there and um, – there's always a plan and there's a second plan and there's always a third plan. Emergency so, managers are planners. Oh, doomsday planners completely, but it is beneficial because you know, you got to be the most prepared that you can be and there's you're never going to be fully prepared, but that's when the flexibility comes into play. It's easier to be flexible when you start out with a plan, right? Yeah. So it's a good starting that, point. What's your goals for the next 10 years? Uh, hmm. I love just seeing how our career field is changing with this new ACE concept and how the military is going to be changing. Mm-hmm. Um, going Again, going back to that flexibility, we train in such a specific way, which has been fantastic, but I love the challenge of, okay, these new hurdles that we're coming across, how do we, how do we solve that? I love that puzzle aspect of it. Yeah. I think that is what is so exciting just to see what our career field is going to look like in these upcoming years with new airmen. And, um, yeah, so I think that's, that's a big thing. Um, and then I'm trying to think what other, hmm. I think just getting to explore the world a little bit more. Yeah. We got to go to Japan um, over the summer, and that was such an amazing experience. All my travel outside the U.S. has always been for military. Yeah. But I've gotten to go to some amazing places and experience the culture, so I think just getting 
to see what more of the world there is and from a different lens is always important. So you've been to two different regions in the world since mm -hmm. joining the military. How yeah. has that changed you as a person and your look at the world, your view? Um, it's as close to getting in somebody else's shoes as you can. Um, I mean, you can compare the world, what you see on social media and in movies, but until you're actually there and get to experience it, that, that can change so much. And we were in Japan before tourism started back up again after COVID. So that was really neat, just seeing the most like authentic side of Japan that you might see unless you live there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yesterday we went to a big recognition up at the state capitol. <laughs> That's where I talked to your dad about you being an amateur race car driver, semi-professional. <laughs> it's uh, true. <laughs> but you got a chance to meet our adjutant general, the top-ranking person in the oh, military. Yes. You got to meet our state senior enlisted leader, who you've met before already, and mm -hmm. she's fantastic. You got to go through all these boards, the selection process to be selected as the outstanding airman of the year for the state. Yeah. It's it's kind of a big deal. What have you learned since being named as the outstanding airman of the year? We have the best leadership. And that's something that I hold so true because everybody, it's such a family aspect. And I think the fact that everybody wants to see you succeed is it just speaks volumes to the 133rd and you know i've been in a bunch of different jobs on the civilian side and the leadership here really takes you by the hand and walks with you versus always being a step ahead of you and um, the way they talk to you and the way they lift you up and the concept that like no question is a dumb question i think leads people to want to be in that position and I, I was just talking about how General Mankey stopped over yesterday for lunch just to congratulate us. He's like, I can't stay. I can't stay for lunch. Um, I just want to take the time to come congratulate everybody. That means more than he'll ever know, just the fact that he took that time out of his day to come talk to us. You know, a, a general is coming to talk to a senior airman, a tech sergeant, master sergeant. It's like that says so much about the leadership that we have and i think that just pushes people to want to be that much better what boil that down and talk about you now as a as a technical sergeant yeah. you're leading airmen mm -hmm. every single day and you're leading people you know outside of here too yeah what has that taught you what what really makes a good leader value your people yeah i think um using people where they excel is so important um there, there's always a benefit to learning new things. And I think if you make your people feel like they are valued, they're going to go so above and beyond what is required of them because they want to be here. And it's that drive to be here that will continue us meeting all these goals and being a great wing because if you love your job, you're going to do the best you can. That's, that is good advice. Um... So using people where they excel. Yeah. Um, I know that you do a job outside of here, your civilian job, that has very little to do, or at least I need you to tell me, does it have anything to do with emergency management? <laughs> and then, So first off for everybody, tell us what you do on the outside. Um, so I work at Minneapolis VA. I'm a recreation therapist there. Um, I think 
it, they're totally they're totally different. The one aspect that I can tie is that being able to just come up with a plan on the spot and figure out that kind of like puzzle aspect of it. So um, my role, I work for the Renew program, which is also IETP, so an intensive evaluation treatment program. Um, so this is for special operations forces members as they are getting to the end of their career. Um, they'll come do a five week inpatient stay with us um, as they transition to the civilian life. So we address any concerns that they might have, um, any PTSD, mental health concerns. A lot of them have um, mild traumatic brain injuries or a TBI. So my job is figuring out how can we modify the activities that you love to do while still working on those therapeutic goals. So if we have a goal of um, balance, we might go out and play um, like bocce ball or we'll do different activities that incorporate that balance but that they have interest in. So it's it's entirely different than emergency management, but I get to bring people into the community and actually try out these skills that we've been working on in our therapies. Mm -hmm. So it's helping people find their passion and that community that the military provides, but you don't often find in the civilian life. It sounds like what you just said is good leadership, finding where they are, where they want to excel. Well, that was a good tie-in. <laughs> yeah, and engaging in that. I'm, pay I'm paying attention. I'm, I'm learning a lot here. So how did you get interested in doing recreational therapy? And was your goal to work with veterans when you started? It was, actually. Okay. Yes. So I did my two years in Eau Claire, and I switched my major, like, probably four different times. One psychology, mass communications, and then just wasn't feeling it. Um, found recreation therapy online and that partnered me with lacrosse. Um, but my goal was actually to end up at the VA. I wanted to work um, in physical disabilities and polytrauma, which is where I, exactly where I ended up. Um, I got lucky that right as I was getting out of college, somebody was retiring because people don't leave the VA. Um, Why? It's, it's a great place to work. The people there and the opportunities that you get um, for me, I love the fact that both my jobs kind of go hand in hand. I get to work with military people here as well as on the civilian side. And just, again, it brings it back to that community where everybody understands you. Um, and I love that. You uh, talked a little bit about working with special ops before they even out-process from the right. military. And you know, one of the things that I learned very early in my career as a firefighter is it's a whole lot cheaper and easier to never have a fire than it is to put one out. Mm -hmm. So are you doing prevention care, yeah. preventative care, or are you doing putting fires out? Or is um, it a combination of both? It can be a little bit of both. I always say if you don't, or I've, I've heard it, if you don't make time for your wellness, you'll make time for your sickness. Um, and that's something that I think is really important for them because a lot of these guys have been working for so long and their jobs are intense. They've, they've been used to this high tempo that a lot of times they don't know what to do with all this extra free time they have. Um, and especially if it's after a traumatic brain injury, it's figuring out how do we get back to this life where you are successful and that everything can kind of go back to normal. 
So we, we do a little bit of both, but it's primarily trying to get them back up to the best shape that we can send them off in. Mm -hmm. And be successful. Absolutely. Wherever they land. Yep. I've been talking with Technical Sergeant Morgan Johnson. She is our wing and state outstanding NCO, non-commissioned officer of the year here in the state of Minnesota and at the 133rd Airlift Wing. We're going to take a short commercial break and we'll be right back with Morgan. Stick around. Hello, everybody. This is Sergeant Todd with the 133rd Recruiting Office. First off, I want to say thank you to all those recruiting ambassadors out there helping us out, hunting down leads and getting our word and our brand out there. Morgan Johnson, uh, today's all about her. So fantastic, exceptional civil engineer squadron leader. Speaking of which, we have some jobs open. If you know any family members, friends, aunts, uncles, cousins, um, you recruiting ambassadors are doing a great job. We have lots of civil engineering, betrays, learn a skill, add it to your resume, help out your friends, family. You know how to crunch numbers and work on a house, we got a job for you. Please feel free to give me a call with any comments, questions, concerns, 612-505-6799. Again, Sergeant Todd, first name Jesse, 612-713-2034 or 612-505-6799. And we're back with Technical Sergeant Morgan Johnson, a recreational therapist at the Minneapolis VA. Mm -hmm. and our wing's outstanding non-commissioned officer of the year. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, we've talked a little bit about your civilian job. We talked a little bit about your military job. Um, one of the things about you that's really unique and one of the great parts of your outstanding Airman of the Year package was your involvement in the community, reading to kids and representing the military positively in the community. Why is that important to you? That is the next generation. Um, I remember people coming into our classroom growing up. Um, and I think just the more that we involve kids in it and show them the benefits that can come from serving, but just that involvement is so important. Um, I think that just creates such an awesome image and that inspiration for them. I agree 100%. And, you know, going out into the community and, you know, being engaged, especially in the Midwest here, Minnesota, Wisconsin, we don't have a lot of military presence outside. Mm -hmm. uh, if there was an active duty base, you see people in uniform all the time. Oh, yeah, that's true. And, you know, folks in the Midwest, it, it may be not as apparent that there are military people that are living and working in their communities. Um, so the more that we can do that's positive, the better. Face it, when it's negative press, it's out there right away. Yeah. Um, but the positive stories, and even our leaders in Washington are telling us this, share the stories, make the, make the positive stories about the Guard apparent and in your communities. I You're doing that today. Yeah, I think it's it's cool to be able to see that it, it is your neighbor, it's your teacher, it's it can be anybody. Um, and that's the beauty of being in the Guard is you can have that dual role and you can still be a doctor you can still do whatever you want to do while still serving yeah there's so many facets to the people that serve out here exactly yeah okay so speaking of that let's learn a little bit about you quick answers okay uh, and morgan has told me that she has listened to at least one of these podcasts <laughs> so you I know have. how the second half goes yep. it's a little more lighthearted. and we'll have we'll do quick question okay. first thing that comes to 
to your mind sure. and you haven't seen these questions before. Best Queen song. Don't Stop Me Now. Musical artist you'd most like to see live. Tyler Childers. Who's more cool, firefighters or emergency managers? Ah, so I have to say firefighters. I live with one. <laughs> Bud Light or Cabernet? Bud Light with a pickle. Oh, gosh, you're weird. Okay. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? If I do karaoke, um, tequila. It's got one word. <laughs> oh, the song. I gotcha. It's got one word. One word. <laughs> Best filling for a kolachki? Um, blueberry. Okay, so... That was a loaded question. That, what's a kolachki anyway, and how do you know? Oh, my goodness. So my mom's side of the family has significant Czech influence. Um, so my cousin has actually ran. She was Miss Czechoslovak for Minnesota. So um, we, we've had that around us a lot, and we got to volunteer over the summer at the Miss Czechoslovak um, fair booth over in Montgomery. Montgomery, Minnesota. Yeah. Home yeah. of Kolachki days. It certainly Am is. Am I saying it right, by the you way? You are. Yep. Okay, good. Perfectly. So you volunteered there. Yeah. Tell us what's unique about the Czech-Slovak community and their culture. Don't just say the food. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think I love just how strong the roots are and how involved they are in representing themselves here, too. I love the involvement and the new Prague area has such a big Czech population. Mm -hmm. um, the pageants are beautiful and I just love that they have remained so strong in their roots. Okay, so I asked you another loaded question, Morgan. Who's more cool, firefighters or emergency managers? I think you answered <sighs> correctly. Your fiance Dylan does what? He's a firefighter in the Guard out of Madison, the 115th, as well as for Minneapolis Fire. Fantastic. Um, we got a chance to have dinner with uh, with he and you yes. uh, the other night at one of the other awards ceremonies, which was really, really fun. Tell us, what, what's the challenges of being in love with someone who serves in a different military organization? Uh, I think the big thing is the different drill schedules. So we have now transition that we are the first weekend of the month which is awesome because that's when they also have it but just for the sake of last night he's serving in madison this weekend so he couldn't come to our the luncheon right um as well as deployment cycles are different so they are the cycle right ahead of us and we are the cycle right afterwards um but i think that having somebody who's military is are better than any of the things that aren't excellent about it. Just he understands what I'm talking about when I have to um, explain what's happening in my job, or he's incredibly understanding of, hey, this training just popped up. Am I can I can I go to it? Do you have anything going on? And he is absolutely the most supportive person. I think I let him know about Japan just a couple weeks ahead of time that hey, we're going to be gone for a couple of weeks, and he's like, yeah, have fun, enjoy, and that's huge. He understands the experiences and what can come of it. It is kind of kind of a nice thing that you both speak the same language. Oh, there. absolutely. But that you you brought up the good point is the deployment cycle. You're going to be gone for four to six months, and then come home, and he might be gone for four to six months, and there's a year. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. We will have just been married like five months by the time he'll have to take off. That'll bring up some challenges. Yeah. We've done it before, though. We did it um, just shortly after we'd met. I had deployed, so. Yep. Yeah. So while you were while you were deployed, um, how did you stay connected with him? Communication is huge. Um, We were at a spot that luckily had good service and such, so we could videos message each other as often as possible. But I think just um, letting him know that, hey, thinking about you, even if it's as simple as that um, and just being supportive of whatever they've got going on here and vice versa. Yeah. So you're both big hikers and enjoyed visiting state and national parks. What's the Ooh. best one you've been to? Um, I love Yellowstone. I think Yellowstone is just spectacular. Um, we've got a lot on our list of where we'd love to go mm-hmm. this summer. What's the bucket list for this summer? I Oh, goodness. For this summer, We would love to get up to Banff, I think, would be really beautiful. Um, Or Zion is another one that is just spectacular. Mm -hmm. Is that how you two connect? Yes. Oh, yeah. We love being outside. Being outdoors is a huge passion for both of us. Sure, sure. All right. I alluded earlier to you being a semi-professional race car driver. Your dad was so proud when he showed me the pictures of you. Tell us where your passion for VW Rabbit ice racing has come from. Um, so we, my dad started doing that a handful of years back, and he's part of the International Ice Racing Association, or the IIRA. Um, and he got me involved. We used to do some kart racing growing up, and um, that's always been a huge passion of his is that need for speed. And we get out in the wintertime so it's for those who don't know it's racing cars on frozen lakes in the wintertime and roll cage and studded tires and all that so it's it is an absolute blast how fast oh my gosh uh 80 90 maybe potentially hit 100 on the ice and you're going around corners and everything yeah you ever go completely 360 and keep going oh yeah oh yeah it happens good for you Um, okay, so you grew up in Minnesota. I'm sorry, you grew up in Mankato. Yes, I did. Um, and went through the Mankato public school system, Mankato West. Yeah, so I actually went to Loyola um, Catholic schools growing up until eighth grade is when I transitioned to West High School. Yep. Um, and I think you had history from someone from Minnesota as well, right? Who's your history teacher? Do you have Governor Walls as a teacher? I didn't have him directly, but he was the teacher at our school, and he used to be the football coach. Um, I actually just grew up down the street from him, too. All right. And he was enlisted in the Minnesota National Guard. He was. You're enlisted in the Minnesota National Guard. You guys are almost twins. So here's, almost. here's our drinking question. Okay. Let's just say you had a chance to sit down with him and share a nice grain belt, because that's a good Minnesota beer. Yeah, that's fair. Yep. Not a Bud Light with a pickle, and that is just weird. <laughs> What do you think you both believe are the best things about your hometown? Oh. I think just the, uh, we have such a great community. And so we both grew up in West Mankato. And I grew up where all the neighbors used to just talk in the road. It wasn't busy roads, but there was always people outside. We always had um, 
potlucks and like block parties. And um, I think that was just the best thing is you knew everybody around you. You knew all of your neighbors. Um, and that's such a feeling that you don't often find in a big city. Like we live up in Egan now. Um, it's not quite the same community. It's a great place to live, but Mankato and the West Mankato area was so wholesome. It's a good spot to be. Yeah. Do you think, and I know Governor Walls listens to this podcast specifically. Hello, sir. Do you think that he would enjoy a Bud Light with a pickle? And where the heck did that come from? I would love to think that he would like a Bud Light with a pickle. It's not quite everybody's forte, but we connect at a different level if you like Bud Light and pickle. Um, Do you put the pickle man. in the Bud Light like a lime in a Corona? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, you, you squeeze okay. out the pickle so that there's like pickle juice in it. It's kind of the same concept as adding an olive, which you can add that too. But I don't even know where that started. Probably some college thing that I love pickles. I always have. So that seemed like it was right up my alley. Thanks, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, what do you think? What are you most looking forward to for the remainder of your military career as the big organization? Now that you've seen the big the big National Guard side yeah. of things here in the state of Minnesota. What are you most looking forward to seeing? I think promoting the younger people. I think that is so important because it, the people that come after us are the ones that are going to continue everything that we're doing. Yeah. So making sure that they feel confident because if they're, they're confident, they're going to do everything that they can. Um, I think that's, that's big and just um, continuing to inspire people to enlist and to stay because retention's huge and I think that's what's so cool about our base is you have so many people that have been here a long time but that also says a lot about the base that people want to be here. It is a nice family out here. Oh my gosh, it so is. What, what do you think the biggest challenge that we're going to face is in the next several years? It could easily be the recruitment side of it. Um, the world is just changing, but I think if we continue to get out into the community and show ourselves and, um, just talk about the experiences that we have, and we all have amazing stories. We all have phenomenal friendships that we've made through this. And I think those are the kind of things that we need to talk about and publicize are the relationships that you get and, um, just the value that it can bring to your life and just that added side of being able to have that civilian career while still serving because um, it's an honor and it's it's such an amazing family to go out in public and even just see somebody else is wearing an army shirt or whatever like you just have that a different connection with them immediately even if you don't know anything about them it's just that hey we like we've both been there yeah for sure um Morgan, thanks for joining me on Bailey to Wayne. Thank you so much for We're, having me. You'd mentioned that it's it's fun to watch people get promoted, the young young people getting promoted. And as somebody that was here on your first day in the military, yeah, this is just a thrill. Um, it, I'm, we're all super proud of you for representing our state as the outstanding NCO of the year. I'm yeah. super proud for just being a part of it since the beginning. Well, thank you, and Appreciate thanks for being so supportive. And you are such an uplifting person. Happy so to do it. Happy to That's do amazing. it. Um, I'd also like to thank Amy Lovegren for her post-production work and to Jared Smith 
who uh, does all the background research and pre-recording work. I'll be joined next time on Beneath the Wing with Airman First Class, and he's going to help me get his first name right or his last name right. Airman First Class Festus Olympikin. Hope you can join me for his great story of strength and success. Until next time, thanks. <laughs>